Real Men Feel with Andy Grant encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been told, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now let's get to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. This episode is brought to you by mensgroup.com, the leaders in online men's groups, allowing you to connect with other men, get support for whatever you are dealing with, be it depression, breakup, parenting, isolation, managing your emotions, anything else. It's a curated group, so you put in like-minded men, uh, similar ages, similar circumstances. Visit mensgroup.com slash RMF for articles, resources, and an opportunity to try a men's group for free. Now, one big problem for uh, for men and women is the high divorce rate. And 40% of divorces report that cheating is a primary reason for that relationship ending. So, you know, how can you move on if your heart's been broken by someone you love? You know, how can you recover from being cheated on? Or perhaps you're the cheatee. You know, how do you deal with that shame and that guilt? Right. Is it possible to build trust again once your heart's been broken? Well, my guest today, marriage coach and author Mike Darcy, says, yes, it is, which is a good thing. So Mike is on a mission to help millions of people find their soulmate and live as if, their, as if it's their second honeymoon every single day. Welcome to the show, Mike. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, relationships are so important, and I haven't, I haven't focused on them for the show for quite a while. And well, first, where are you joining us from? Um, I was born in Los Angeles, but I've been raised and grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii for 50 of my 55 years. So it's, uh, it, it's sunny. It's, it's you know bright out. The sky is blue. I had a Corvette. It was a jewel blue Corvette in 19, uh, 1961, jewel blue Corvette. Beautiful. The sky is that color today. I've got six clouds outside my window. So does every relationship just flourish naturally when you're in in the paradise? When you're in Hawaii, absolutely not. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> so the secret to your coaching isn't just move to the islands. That's it's not that simple. It it could be, but it's not. It's it, it's not that simple. It's um, it's the most complicated thing that anybody ever gets involved with, and you learn it the hard way for most of the time. Hmm. Yeah. So did you become a marriage coach because you were blessed with with a life of just beautiful, sustaining relationships? I became a relationship coach because I was terrible at it. it you know, it's, it was one of the needs I needed to fill in my life. And um, I got married the, for the first time and it was terrible. I didn't even know that I was going into a relationship that was not very good. We didn't agree on anything. We didn't see anything the same way. It was a struggle right from the get-go. We had a huge argument on the day of the marriage. I mean, it, it, and, it was, and it was a basic kind of argument. Everything, everything was. Everything, we looked at everything differently. We did not know how to, to overcome any of these obstacles. And so once that relationship fell apart, and I got divorced, I decided I'm never getting married again. I'm never getting into a relationship again. And then I met a wonderful, wonderful woman, <laughs> changed my mind. But then I said, I'm not going to do it the same way I did before. I need to learn and understand exactly how to make this work, which is what I did. And, and that's, you know, the books come out of that. And 
the coaching comes out of that. And it's super rewarding for me to, to help people with that. Do you find that most people say, I'll never do this again after a bad relationship, or they actually dig deep and learn some lessons and change things? What I find is they want to get back into another relationship, but they say, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never getting married again. It, I'm, the most vocal people are the ones that have gotten cheated on. Hmm. They're the ones that are out there going, I got cheated on. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> so, yeah, because you know, on, on top of kind of the, the hurt, there's the, you know, I guess there's probably levels of embarrassment and shame and victimhood and all, you know, like, I'll never let anyone hurt me again. Absolutely. And, and the, the one factor that keeps popping up, the one word that keeps popping up is trust. I, I don't know how to trust. I can't trust. I can't. But, you know, people don't realize that they are already trusting other folks. It's just at what level they are trusting them. And, you know, at a, sp- a spouse, you're going to trust them with everything. You know, your, your banker, you trust with money. You're, you're the barista at Starbucks. You trust them with, you know, giving you the right drink. I mean, there's, there's trust levels that, that vari- the, there's a variety of trust levels that you have to deal with. Do, do most couples discuss their own definitions of trust and love and, and a marriage b- beforehand? Heck no. Nobody talks about it until they've encountered a problem with it, mm-hmm. including cheating. Nobody talks about what is cheating. And everybody has a different definition of what cheating is. Everybody has really? a different definition of what trust is. I, I, would, I would think cheating is like one of the most obvious things, but maybe not. So what, what are some people's different definitions of that? Well, clearly, you know, Sexual infidelity is cheating, but a spouse that spends too much time just playing video games, as soon as they come home, they're on video games and they're stealing all that time that they should be dedicating part of it to getting this relationship right. And they're just pushing it on the side. Um, there's, there's people that let their spouse disrespect them and put them on a lower plane of understanding or anything like that. So after studying this for a while, I came up with a, a definition that, that works for everybody. And it comes from the, the perspective of the victim. And it is anything that diminishes your role in the relationship is infidelity. Hmm. Because if you had gotten married, the, the vows that you made were to put that relationship on a pedestal pretty high and to, to serve the relationship. And if you're serving yourself, clearly already that's infidelity. Mm. And that's, that's when you put it in that, those terms, it's easier to see and easier to catch things early. And if, if people learn that lesson or, or were taught that, if, they, if you agreed on, on that definition before a relationship, I imagine they, all those relationships would be much easier. Or you'd know, I'm not even going to go easier. into this because I'm already feeling diminished, perhaps. Right. Correct. Hmm. Absolutely. Is is there any sort of accurate data about if it is, you know, men or women that are more actively cheating or kind of the, the first to leave a relationship or anything like that? Um, because cheating has so much shame associated with it, it's hard to find accurate data. Hmm. But it, it appears that it's both sides. Both sides are cheating and, and there's no there's no economic boundaries or anything. Uh-huh. It, Everybody's doing it. Everybody wants a piece for themselves. Part of the problem, I think, and this is my own opinion of it, is nobody really gets taught how to be in a relationship 
as a kid. They, you know, it, it's, people mean to think that it's instinctual. You know how to be in a relationship, but it's not. It's, there are definitely some things that you need to understand when you get into a relationship. So what are some of the lessons about a healthy relationship that you, you wish people were being taught? My favorite is you're never in a relationship for yourself. You're always in the relationship for the other person, no matter who it is. I mean, it, it's whatever, what can you bring to the relationship for the other person, not for yourself? And if anybody and everybody took that stance, relationship, I, I'd be out of a job. The, you know, the, because that solves most of the problem. Yeah, I mean, m- most most people, well, as a fellow coach, most people that come to me about a relationship is because of pained one, it's been a, a defeated one. But it seems that so many people go into a relationship looking to fulfill an, a need. They want that other person to kind of fill up their own self-loathing or lack of love. Is that right. your experience? Yes, it's, it's exactly that experience. What can I get out of this relationship? Yeah. It's not what can I give to this relationship, which is a much healthier way to look at it. And it makes the relationship more fun. It gives it a little challenge where you can like, oh, I could do this and it would just ratchet up our relationship a little bit better. We'd have more fun. We'd like more, we'd like each other more. And it, it's, it's a number of things that we, we deal with. That's what we do with most of the people is we try to make their relationship fun because it should, you know, there's this thing that relationship is hard work. Well, it's work, but it shouldn't be hard. I don't like that connotation that it's like breaking stones in the you know with a sledgehammer it's not that kind of thing it's you just need to think about it a little bit and make it fun the more fun a relationship is the less likely anybody's going to cheat the less likely that you're going to run into big problems along the way you run into small ones and then you go hmm how do i make this fun how do i solve it but if you saw it like most things you let a problem go on too long it just gets bigger and bigger and if you catch the little things when they're, you know, little, the, they never grow up to be big things, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it takes some awareness, some concern, consciousness, communication, all those sort of building blocks, I imagine. Yes. But yeah. Do, do you see people that in a first relationship, they are focusing on the, per, on the other person, or is it mostly people have to like burn out and then decide they need to focus and learn what a relationship is? I find most people have burnout and, then have to learn out what a relationship is, even within the same relationship. Oh, so, oh, so that's possible. Be, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you don't have to let a, a relationship fall to the, to complete <laughs> pieces before you try and turn it around. And so there's a lot of people that will, will try and do that, but the, the seven year itch, for example, people will get to that point where like, this is not satisfying me anymore. Well, it's not about you first of all, but if you get to that point and you, start to work on it and try and figure things out along the way from that point, you're probably in pretty good shape to, to save it. You know, you, you haven't gone too far. I mean, some cases, in some cases it's gone too far, but a lot of times there's still, there's still a lot of love there. There's still a lot of respect there. There's just some things that just don't work the, exactly the way you want them to. Is a cheating scenario in a relationship, is that always a deal breaker? Do people recover from that and stay in a relationship? Uh, they do all the time. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but it is a deal. It, it is a deal breaker. It is, uh, is one of those things that because the emotion gets so high when you, 
there's there's two there's pain right there's pain when cheating happens there's pain when you find out somebody's cheated on you but there's also the pain on the cheater's side that probably happened long before the cheating was known of i mean before before they got to the point where they were cheating they were hurting about something which may, which created an opportunity for them to start looking elsewhere so there's always a hurt there's an issue that predates and I mean, it makes sense if you're, you know, yeah. happy, healthy people is like, oh, I think I'll cheat today. Like it, it doesn't it, come from that filled up that's place. That's the first thing. Correct. That's never the first thing. It, it's it's a I look at um, infidelity in a, a three part, three stages. And I made them innocuous. So it's it's there's snowflakes, there's a blizzard and then there's an avalanche. And clearly, I mean, it's, it, it makes sense. Snowflakes are just the little irritations that happen. The blizzard is when there's so many irritations, you really can't see what the heck's going on. And then the avalanche and then the discovery of the cheating or the discovery of, oh, my God, we're in the wrong place. This is this is terrible. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm done with this. I mean, that's an avalanche. That's something that you now need to recover from. Unfortunately, a lot of these relationships get to that point where it's an avalanche and then they have to figure out. What do we do next? I mean, and or do I even want to do next? If you're in a blizzard and you can find your way to clear your glasses a little bit and see out there, you you, you have a chance. I mean, you're still you haven't gotten to the point where things are just terrible, not unrecoverable. So it's not like snowflakes always lead to blizzards and avalanches. It's just it, they can if if you're not. No, yeah, snowflakes turn into snowdrifts and and they, they just build up and build up and eventually they become something unless you start taking care of them right away or, or early. One common thing I've heard from, from men and women is, is this notion that once someone's a cheater, that's always them. Like they won't allow them out of that, that identity or that label. Is, is that accurate? Once a cheater, always a cheater is the, <laughs> and if you come from the, the, the camp of like Alcoholics Anonymous, then Yes. Once a cheater, always a cheater. You become a, a recovering cheater. But I don't come from that camp. I think the cheating is an, an action that's not addictive. I don't think it's something that you will fall into just because you're human. I hold that view because I myself was a cheater in my first marriage. I don't like to admit it, but I did. I was unfaithful to my first wife. But now i'm so happy i that's not even that's not even remotely something that i think about anymore except for trying to help people get out of their own problems but that's not an issue for me so i don't think once a cheater always a cheater i think once a cheater once a cheater now how do you define your life now going forward that's where i come from that's what i think is more important so it, in in your first marriage, what was cheating the final straw? Was it the first snowflake? Like how, how did it play? Because you said you were fight even on your wedding day you were fighting already. Yeah, and 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 I was really really committed to try and make it work. I didn't know how. I didn't I didn't study it. I didn't understand what a relationship was. But I tried really hard and I committed to it. So I just did everything I could. It became the end of the relationship, but it wasn't, but the relationship, actually, no, the idea 
of the relationship ending was already a topic that was being discussed for years. I mean, we had two little girls and it was, we're going to stay together. We're going to, this marriage is going to end. We're going to stay together until the kids are out of high school, which is a terrible idea, by the way, folks. (laughs) I mean, because I realized at one point in time, I, I realized that I'm showing my kids exactly what a terrible, terrible relationship looks like. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back was that realization like, oh, my God, my kids are going to do exactly the same thing that I'm doing because I'm their role model. I I wanted to ask, like, how how should people learn about relationships? And if parents only, you know, can parents teach consciously teach good relationships or is it always by osmosis and most people grow up in some sort of dysfunctional one? Parents talk to their kids about the birds and the bees. They talk about, but they don't really talk about relationships. And a lot of times the parents don't understand how a relationship works. And when they do, they're not, that's not an active conversation that they're having with their children. It's one of those conversations that things happen along the way. So the kids learn by osmosis generally. And if you're in a really crappy relationship, they're going to look at that as normal. Yeah. And that becomes what they settle for. I mean, if they get into a great relationship, great, because the, the, that's wonderful. But most of the time they get into these test relationships and, oh, that seems normal. Let, let's move to the next level. That's exactly what happened to me. My parents' relationship was, was a struggle. Was, I mean, they're still together, but it's a struggle. They, they don't see things eye to eye. They don't talk about things to, to try and meet in the middle. They argue with each other and then not necessarily resolving things, so it just kind of keeps, and I, I thought, oh, that's normal. Okay. I'll argue with my wife and we won't resolve anything. And okay, that's how it's supposed to go. So why don't we have a couple kids now and make that more complicated than it was before? And so, it, yeah, but you learn from your parents. You, but really, so a lot of the people that I coach, what I tell them is, hey, your kids are learning from you this terrible habit. Why don't you talk to them? And tell them what's going on so they won't repeat the same mistakes you have. And they're like, wow, I didn't never thought of that. And it says, yeah, I didn't either the first time. So show them now before they get up and out of the house and they're doing the wrong things. They're, they're keeping that cycle going. Right. Yeah. If, cause if, if people learn in their relationships, but never share it, then yeah, it just keeps continuing. The bad relationships keep continuing generation right. after generation. Hmm. Well, it, it makes, I mean, if you make your, your primary love relationship better and sustained and full of happiness and love, um, mm-hmm. and by giving, then it seems more naturally from a, kind of from a fuller cup, you're also giving to your children Absolutely. by modeling and, and even co- consciously talking about what makes this work. Yes. Do most people repeat the same mistake over and over until they, they seek outside help and assistance somehow? Yes, there's a there's a few that will try and figure it out. And they do figure it out after two or three marriages or so. (laughs) But there's some folks that, you know, five, six marriages, and they, they just, they keep repeating the same thing. They, what they envision as what the world should be, never changes. And so they just go back and find the the, twin to what they did before. And they keep doing the same thing over and wondering, how come this doesn't work? I know I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you're not right, you know? 
Yeah. Is that it? The insistence on I'm yeah, I keep finding bad partners, so I'll keep finding more partners. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really in alignment with what you're saying. The relationship should be, you know, focus on giving to someone else first. So if you never get that, you're always looking to take from someone else. You're it's it's never gonna you're never you're never gonna find the right person that to keep taking from. Right. And if you do and if you do find the person for a while, they'll keep giving to you and they'll keep giving to you. And all of a sudden they're going, Hey man, where's mine? <laughs> you know, where do I get mine? And all of a sudden it's kind of like the, the strife starts to begin and it's just the, the divide and the, the widening of the parting of the seas there. Yeah. So is the, that, where do I get mine? It kind of opens the door to the cheating scenarios. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's some of the early steps that happen. Is there kind of a, a most common mistake that you see in marriages and long-term relationships that, that, that snowflake? Yes. And my wife now, she's, she's really the brains of the operation. We, we had a talk and it was like, and she just said it really casually. She said, your happiness is more important than my own. That's how I look at our relationship. Your happiness is more, ha- more important than me, mine. So if you're happy, I'm happy. And I thought about that for a long time and it went, oh my God. And, and it's, again, it's the, the giving, giving to the relationship rather than taking. Mm. Um, that's a huge one. Spending time together, you have to do it. You have, and you have to, the, the first thing of all of it, you have to want to be with that person. If you don't want to be with that person, there's nothing in the world that's going to keep that together. Well, doesn't doesn't every relationship at least start with that want? It does. It okay. does. So how do you how do you sustain that? Hmm. How do you keep that feeling going? There's coaches all over the place. There's relationship experts all over the place, and everybody has their own version of it. But if the thing is, if you if your happiness is tied to theirs, when they're happy first, then I'm happy. It solves so much of that stuff, so much. So was was your wife just the one woman in, in Hawaii that was you know self actualized and could spot you and said his happiness is more important than my own, or did she have to go through her own work to discover this? Or? Oh my God. Yes. She, she, she was married before too. And, and the reason we started talking, we, we've known each other since high school. We didn't go to high school together, but we had a mutual friend that um, introduced us while we were in high school and we never dated. We, they, she was just her friend and she was my friend. So, I mean, we kind of had this in between person. We kind of kept tabs on each other and our friend was, she had gotten married once or twice or three times and, and it wasn't working. And, and we happened to have gone to the same second wedding of hers. Our friend is a little scatterbrained. So the night before the wedding, she calls me up and says, Hey, can you be the MC for my wedding? And I'm going, what are you talking about? And she says, Oh, I don't, I don't have an MC. And I says, sure. Just tell me, tell me, give me as what, as much information as you can. And I will I'll be there for you no matter what. So the next day I go to the wedding and I'm, I'm sitting at the, at the table with Lisa and she's, she's, she was sat with me because we're friends from high school and all that. Um, and I, I turned to Lisa and I go, Hey, so what are you going to say when you're up? Cause you're the, you're giving the speech for the bride. And she says, I'm not giving the speech for the bride. <laughs> 
and and that was that was the laughter and the spark that kind of got us to talking and got us to become good friends. And um, we were both married to other people at the time, and we just eventually just kind of kept talking. And there was one day. This is a, you know, the thing I like about your your podcast is the storytelling. So this is a story. I saw on Facebook that Lisa was struggling. She was pissed about something and I couldn't tell what she just had a a post that just like three or four words. It was just angry. And I said, I just texted her and said, Hey, you need to talk. You want to grab a cup of coffee or something? And she texted back says, sure. And and it was kind of, it was clear. She needed to talk to somebody and get some of this, you know, bring some of this anxiety down. So we met at Starbucks and we were talking and she just kind of was going on about her relationship and her marriage and how tough it was and how it was terrible and how her husband had cheated on her. And all of a sudden it was kind of like her marriage is pretty terrible. But I realized, Oh my God, my marriage is way worse. (laughs) And, and that was sort of a turning point for me. That was, that was a turning point for me where it was like, wow, the world could be so much better. What am I doing? This is not, this is not working. So that's when I started to work on my first marriage and try and make that work. But I couldn't, there were too many obstacles to overcome by that point in time. And in that first marriage, was it, was it only you trying to um, improve it, better it, or were you both trying it at some point? We were both trying different things. Um, one of the problems we we've seen seven different therapists and we had some very, very fundamental differences in how we think and what we need and what we like, and it wasn't really going to work, but we'd go through the same scenario. Every, the therapist would do the, the same kind of thing. They, they all would do the same deal. They'd meet with the two of us first. They meet with one of us for the second meeting They meet with the other one, the, the third meeting. And they meet with the, with both of us again on the fourth meeting. And by the fourth meeting, they were all saying the same thing. Mike, you don't listen. Mike, you don't, you know, you don't talk enough. And my ex-wife wouldn't agree that there were things that she had to do to fix the marriage too. By the time we got to that fourth meeting, it was like, no, they're wrong. We're not going to see them anymore. And it was four meetings for six therapists. And then we went to a seventh therapist and we had sort of run out of therapists. I mean, and so we asked a friend and he said, well, I have a therapist that other therapists go to when they have trouble. So he's a real no nonsense guy. And, and I can't remember his name now because it's so, so long ago, but it was like, all right, let's give it one more try. And we went to this therapist. He saw the both of us for the first time. He saw each of us, two times, you know, for the next two times. And by the fourth meeting, the typical fourth meeting, he had the, the both of us there and he just said, it's not going to work. And it's like, what do you mean? It's not going to work. And it's kind of like, it's not going to work. The, the differences are too fundamental. The, the, the things that you guys need and want out of a relationship are not the same thing. It's not going to work unless you can change what that, those are, but those are your trying to change your personality, change, completely who you are. I don't see this working. <laughs> and we just went away and it's like, 
all right. <laughs> Did that come as a relief at all? Like having some outside expert say, yeah, you're struggling because it's not going to work. Right. Uh, it was absolutely, it, it was absolutely a relief to, to know that I was beating my head against the wall for such a long time and, and it really wasn't going to work. Huh? The truth of the matter is now that I'm in the, my second marriage and I see how good a marriage can be, he was absolutely right. There was no way I was going to get this thing to be this thing. You know, I was never going to get that. Um, so the, the relief was huge, huge. And then we just decided to figure out how to unwind it. That made sense. You know, that, um, so, you know, we had a, a really uncontested divorce. I, I gave her the house. I gave her, you know, just all that stuff. And just, it was just, let's just end it and keep the, whatever semblance of a relationship that we can. So we're not at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And, and Hawaii is a really good place for that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of families, a lot of blended families, a lot of broken homes, a lot, of, but people have gotten used to it in our society. And it's so it's, you know, you invite your, your, your ex over and for Thanksgiving and, um, and that kind of, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. So it's very accepted. So we want it to be that way too. And it took some time, but we are, we are that way now. So me and my ex, we, we've got a really decent relationship and our kids are grown. So there's a lot less hassle. There's a lot less stress that the kids take care of themselves at this point. Good. Cause I, I really, I wanted to ask you, do couples ever come to you and you say you counsel them to break up? So at least that's happened to you, if not with you. Yes. So there, there's not often. It's not often. I don't, I don't, you can always break up. I mean, the, the timeline of things, you can always call it quits. You can never, after you've called it quits, it's, it's hard to put it back together. So I always try and put it back together first before I say, nah, maybe it's not going to work. Maybe it's time to call it quits. So it sounds like like you, you could not be a great marriage coach unless you had the bad marriage and a great marriage. Does that feel accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, a, a large part of my, my knowledge comes from the experience of being in both camps and what it felt like to, to be completely trodden upon. And at the same time, having the current knowledge of how great it feels how loved i feel now and and the differences and how vast the differences are so the, the, yeah does anything stand out as like the top lesson from from both those experiences the top lesson um the top lesson is try and teach your kids to not make them and so i i have been you know with my kids just trying to share that's where actually that's where the book, the first book came from. It wasn't, it was never really a book. It was, uh, Lisa and I put together a handful of post-it notes and we kept it around. These, this is the things that work for us. This is a strategy that we can use. When we get pissed off, we can do this. These are the areas to avoid. And we just had this collection of scrap paper. And, you know, our friends would kind of come to us and say, what makes your relationship work? How does that, how do you guys do that? Why are you guys so happy? You know, and, and we weren't seeing that. I mean, we knew it, we felt that, but it was like, it's not, it was outwardly obvious to other people. And people kept asking that. And our kids were, are all adults now. And they're, they were young adults at the time. They were struggling. A couple of them were struggling in their relationships. And 
they're our offspring. They're like us. So maybe this information that we have, all these little secrets that we have, maybe that'll be helpful for them. So we started to gather some of these pieces together and started creating paragraphs and essays of this, you know, how to make it work and, and, and grouping things together and making, and it was like, it, it became, and once everybody else started asking, people started asking us about this information. It's like, ah, let's just make it a book. <laughs> so we created, we turned it into a book and it's, it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful gift to give the kids, to teach the kids. Here's the, here's some of our secrets. Here's some of our early secrets. Now that book is five years old, four years old. The secrets I've got now are, I, they just keep coming up with them. So I just keep writing and just keep writing. And it's, it's the most fun thing I've done in a long time. <laughs> it's writing books. Cool. Good. <laughs> yeah. It, it's great to be able to share the knowledge and, and pass it on. And cause yeah, you, I mean, you can only see so many people in person, but you're, you're you know, your books can reach so many more people. So that's great. You know, yeah. It, is there anything that that stands out as something you wish more men knew about women? Yeah, they're they're a lot tougher than you think they are. <laughs> women, the women. I hate stereotyping, but I have to because I'm a guy. I stereotype people, and women have the the stereotype that they're they're frail and they need they need somebody to a hero to solve their problems and all that kind of stuff. And they don't, they're plenty strong. They can figure things out on their own. A lot of them, most of them, if they don't want you in their life, they don't need you in their life. You have to make them want you and you have to build love, their love in you. It's not, beat them over the head with a club and take them to your cave. I mean, it's, it, it may have been that and marriage wasn't originally set up to be something that was about love. It was something that was set up about to be about property, about, you know, ownership. And, and it's, it's not that anymore. And so I don't even tell people you have to get married. If you want that level of commitment or you want that kind of commitment or that, that, um, evidence of commitment, then okay. But you don't have to have a marriage certificate to be in love. You don't have to have a marriage certificate to be in a really great relationship with somebody. Hmm. You just have to be in a really great relationship with somebody. Now, cool. So th- that might be the answer to my next question, but is, is there something that you wish men or women knew about marriage? Actually marriage, any really close relationship, two people have to be, want to be in it. At any given time, any one person that wants to be out can explode it, can implode the, the whole relationship. Um, and, and a lot of people get to the point where they're like, I don't want to be here anymore, but I'm hanging on. Well, if you don't want to be there, get out because it's, it's not serving anybody and you're wasting a lot of your own time. You're wasting the other person's time. And they should have be given the opportunity to, to find their dream, to to fulfill their purpose. So yeah. are, are you, I want to clarify, are you, are you saying that, because I imagine the, the longer you're in, maybe the length doesn't matter, but it, it, most relationships, someone thinks, you know, is this the right one for me? Or maybe I should leave this. Are you saying as soon as you have that thought, you should leave or it should be some 
more prolonged experience of, of, you know, how does somebody know? Everybody gets that. Everybody gets that feeling, but there's, there's a fair amount of exploration that has to go into and an investigation and working on it yourself, trying to understand what, what is it that, why am I in this relationship? That's a great question to ask. Why am I in this relationship? What does this do? What does this do for me? What does it do for the other person? Why am I here? And if, if you realize, for me now, I realize I'm in this relationship because I want to make Lisa's life the best possible thing it can be. Then holy smokes, I'm, I'm staying in it because I, I know I can do that. I know I can make her life ter- terrific. But if it's like, huh, I'm not getting anything out of this relationship, I'm out. I mean, if I'm going to a gym, if I'm going to a gym and all of a sudden it's just like, man, this gym is kind of sucks. I don't, I don't want to be here get out. I mean, it's a, a relationship is similar to that too. I mean, it's just, it, there's a point in time where it's like, doesn't make sense. Get out. Like, yeah. like I said, it, it, it takes work, but it doesn't mean it's supposed to be always hard work. Correct. But as, Correct. if the effort is rewarded, like if it feels worth your time and effort, then it just mm-hmm. keep going. Hmm. Absolutely. Are, are there any practices or actions that, that you can recommend for someone that feels like they're kind of in a stagnant relate? Like it's not, it's not, you know, this, the snowflakes are there, like mm-hmm. <laughs> something, mm-hmm. something's up and without sure what, like what, how, how can they rejuvenate? Um, there, there's, there's lots of different practices we teach. One of them is trying to get you and your partner to have a mutual dream to work towards, right? If you have something that you can work towards and you guys put time into it, it doesn't even have to be a lot of time, but you regularly put time into it. That's going to be something that pulls you together. Look for things that will pull you together rather than pull you apart. I hear so many stories of this and it seems innocuous. It seems, but, and it's guys, guys do this. They come home and they jump on a video game and they stay there till two or three in the morning. And anything like that, that seems to pull you apart from your partner is a problem. So look for things that pull you together. If it's a video game that both of you play and you guys are both into it or, or just go for a walk and just, and take the headphones out, just walk and talk and just catch up on the day. I mean, all those, all those kind of little things. And it's, it's really, it's a lot of little things and it doesn't, it's not actually not even a lot of little things, but the little things actually count. The little things do make a huge difference. Yeah. Sounds like to be wary of those little things that create separation because all these little things making separation lead to the big legal separation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, a lot of people, almost everybody that's in your audience, everybody in the world will can see relationships around them where people are just hanging on. They're not, they're not thriving. They're not flourishing. They're just kind of, all right. Uh, it's another day. I'm going to work. I'll come home. We'll make dinner. We'll do, I mean, and there's, there's no excitement. There's no adventure. There's no, so really I want people to have adventure and love and happiness in their relationships. I want them to have all these three things all the time. I'm always looking to push people into an adventure. Even, even if it's, we're going grocery shopping, looking for a very particular cut of meat. That's an adventure. You know, you have to create adventures for yourself. And we, we do that all the time. That's, it's fun. <laughs> right, like it, it's supposed to be. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. 
so speak, speaking of fun, t- t- tell me a little bit about uh, Love Life Central. Love Life Central actually started as um, a book, uh, a book launch group <laughs> for the first book, because the first book is called Love Life. And then I just started posting things about relationships, little tidbits of things about relationships. And it started to grow and grow. And I, I, we only started messing with it with regard to relationships, maybe six months ago or so. And we we're at like 650 members or so now, right now. And, you know, with the book launch group, it was like 80 members or something. So, I mean, it, it's growing fast. It's, it seems to be about 15 to 20 new members a week. So the, the thing I take from that is, is not that I'm great or anything. It's just that need is huge. And it's, there's so much people that need help out there. So now it's, it's all about what, what can I do to help people survive their divorce or thrive in their relationship or make their marriage, take it from mediocre to great, or, you know, just get them beyond the hump of that obstacle of having this divorce that they just got through. And now how do they rebuild their lives? And there there's, it's so rewarding for me to help them, but I get, I love the part where they, they have these little aha moments by just changing their perspective, just, two percent three percent you just just steer them a little bit and and let them see something a little bit different and all of a sudden it's like wow and makes a big difference in their lives and it's great i mean love life central is one of the more more fun things that i've done like the writing i mean it's 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 a new adventure for me and it's my wife is my wife actually retires from being a school teacher in uh, 364 days, 363 days, something like that. Um, December one of next year. And, um, she is going to join me on this adventure of helping people. Cause she's the one that has all this, all the knowledge in her head. And she's, she's much more touchy feely. She's much more relationship oriented. I'm more nuts and bolts guy, but that's where my strength comes in is, is a, something even like a relationship take it apart and look at its pieces and then put it back together and see how it works and how do you make it work better? I mean, it, it comes from building motors and in, in cars and taking apart computers and taking apart clocks and just that, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really, uh, that's where my strength is, but hers is why does relationship work? Okay. Let's push into that. You know that. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, because like you said, most people aren't taught about relationships. So it's like they're building things without directions. And like, right. where does this go? And why, you know, how yeah. come this part's not working? So, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, I know that you have a, a gift for our listeners. Why don't you tell me about that? I sure do. Um, uh, I have a website, stopgettingcheatedon.com. And if you go there, we have a free uh, infographic, five steps to stop getting cheated on. Um. It takes you to through the the different scenarios, the the different phases of getting past getting cheated on, uh, stopping the roller coaster, remembering your happiness, defining the deal breakers, mapping your quest, and living your dream. So I mean, it 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 kind of takes you from the start to the, not to the end, but well on your way to, to recovery to at building, least too, yeah. to recovery and and building the the ideal life that you always wanted. Um, 
and clearly this is a, a, a one pager, so it's it's not everything, but you can certainly reach out to me in any any form that you you can. And I love to help people get past their problems, get past their obstacles. So is is stop getting cheated on? Is that the best site to go to learn more about you as well, or is that just the best place for that for that download? It's the best place for that download. We're uh, developing that that site with more resources and and courses and teaching and, and things. Um, MikeDarcy.com is probably the best place to get in touch with me. Cool. Um, the, the Facebook group, everybody's on Facebook or most people are on Facebook. So uh, if you search, what is it called? It's, um, <laughs> it's from, from separation and divorce to marriage mastery is the group. And if you, if you look up that group, the, we're in there, we're helping people, uh, other people, you know, are, are the really engaged group of people. Somebody will put a post up and inevitably within less than 24 hours, they, we've got 30 comments, 40 comments on a single post. And people are definitely out there giving their perspectives and helping others to try and get past their problems. Yeah. And, and, and it, I'm in there as well. And it's supportive comments, not just you're a jerk. It's not that kind of trolling yeah, and, comments. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, and being an administrator, we, huh. when anybody's mean or anything like that, we, we take yeah. that down, but yeah, it's all very, very supportive. We got really strong fan base. Um, so love it. Love cool. it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Mike's thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing all that. And um, a lot of info, a lot of links, a lot of books mentioned. So visit realmenfeel.org. We'll have in the show notes on the blog, uh, links to everything that Mike mentioned. You can join the group. You can check out the books. You can get some support uh, for the relationship you're in or learn about the ideal relationship so you know your next one is your best one. Perfect, right? right. Exactly. Cool, cool. Uh, so this is our last Real Men Feel for 2020. I'll be taking a couple weeks off and be back in January of 2021. Uh, this, this year feels like it's been 10 years long, so I can't, I won't even attempt to imagine what next year is going to be like for us all. For us all, it's a crazy year. We're again, we're all in the biggest relationship. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see where, uh, it takes us, but yeah, wishing you happiness, wishing you happiness in your relationships. And if, if you want to connect with me and explore how you might hit the ground running in 2021 with a one-on-one conversation, not a podcast, an actual live conversation just with me, help you get clear on what you want in life, what's in the way, visit theandygrant.com slash talk, book a, a no cost, no obligation call with me. Um, but again, thanks for the entire year. Thanks for four years of Real Men Feel for reaching out, for listening. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe, share the show with someone you think would benefit from it. Uh, post a review, a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, especially this holiday season, especially in this crazy freaking year, be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about author, coach, and healer Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would help us greatly if you gave a review wherever you are listening right now. It takes less than a minute and helps other people discover real men feel.